Uh, kia ora, hello, and uh, my name's John Bradbury. I'm a people experience growth advisor in the EMA's people experience practice. Um, and what I, I'm going to do today in this first episode of the second series of EMA Cast um, is, is start to have a conversation um, really that's starting us to think about the new trends, new insights, and what's happening for HR people and in, in terms of people experience in New Zealand in 2023. And when we were thinking about this series, um, one of the first names that, that came to mind for, for me to uh, bring in and uh, have a conversation with is uh, Grant Habgood. And Grant is the uh, director for Auckland for, for Robert Walters. And so what I'd like to do, I guess, first of all, is really ask Grant to introduce himself and perhaps just say a bit about his experience. Yeah, sure. John, thanks for having me. Um, so I run Robert Walters in Auckland uh, as a director. Uh, recruitment experience, I've been doing recruitment now for about 16 years. Uh, a lot of that was actually in Japan. I lived in Tokyo for about 15 years or so. Um, I learned my trade in recruitment as a technology recruiter um, and transformation as well. Uh, and in 2020, around about the peak of COVID, I, I came back to New Zealand with my family. Not so much COVID related, but uh, more to be closer to family and uh, was able to get the position at Robert Walters. So it's, it's been quite the transition, as you can imagine, like in Japan, working culture, business culture being completely different to New Zealand. So it's been a learning, learning journey for me as well. Great, good. Thank you. So that's that's a really interesting experience, obviously, coming from overseas and coming from the culture of Japan back yeah. to the culture in New Zealand. Um, and in, in, your, in your role of Robert Walters, you landed back in New Zealand at a time where um, there was lots of change happening and things have been very... A lot of uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was my second day we went into a lockdown. Right. Uh, and this is when you're trying to familiarise yourself with a new team, a new business. So that was a, a bit of a, a baptism of fire, I'd have to say. Um, so when when you arrived back in 2020, what, what do you remember your sort of first impressions of the New Zealand job market at that time, and you know what was going on at that moment? Uh, good question. Uh, first impression was probably that New Zealand is a village. Everyone <laughs> everyone knows everyone, uh, which which is nice. And it was nice that uh, you're able to build uh, relationships. I think quite quickly, uh, and it's a very much a, a relationship based game. Um, it was still. You know, there was still uncertainty in the market at that time. So I joined probably it was about August. It was August 2020. Um, and, you know, we were still going through lockdowns and everything like that. The whole COVID experience of, well, continue with BAU, dealing with lockdowns, that was a learning experience for everyone. Uh, like business leaders, they were unsure if, they, you know, business continuity, like have putting those plans in place. No one had experienced that before. Um, and my role as a, as a, I guess I'd call myself a sales director, I remember being pleasantly surprised that you know, hybrid work, hybrid working environments actually work. Um, people get on with it. You can have productive teams when people are at home. And um, the environments I'd worked in the past, especially in Japan, that wasn't necessarily the case. Or, or businesses probably wouldn't put that amount of trust on the workforce to trust them to get on with their work and deliver results if they were left to their own devices at home. And obviously the challenges of the different work styles and different management styles that come with managing a remote team uh, certainly brought some challenges, but uh, some interesting challenges. Okay, very good. So, you know, the word challenge kind of sums up a, a lot uh, of, yeah. of what's happened for businesses. And, mm. you know, if I think about that period, really, from when you came back yeah. um, through, to, through to now, and I think of 
the sort of statistics that we, that we look at that kind of show things like, you know, really there's there's really not really any unemployment apart from kind of frictional unemployment in in New Zealand. Yeah. So those numbers are very low, three point four percent, I think, yeah. at the moment. And you look at the other figures around, well, the number of uh, job adverts that that, that are yeah. there and how difficult it is for employers to, to fill those roles. Yeah. You know, you've got this kind of, um, you know, sort of storm here going on. Yeah. Um, you know, on the one hand, for a business like yours, you're thinking, mm -hmm. well, you know, there's lots of people looking for yeah. candidates. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there aren't many candidates there. Yeah. So how do you navigate that? Or how do you help your, more particularly, how do you help your clients to navigate that? Uh, yeah, good question. So probably 18 months ago or so, like salary, salary was a big factor. We, mm -hmm. we did, we had a, a lot of data floating around. We did our own surveys and, and the top and surveys with both employers and employees. And uh, what, what we found with the three driving factors. Number one, at the end of the day, it was salary, it was remuneration. So the companies that were able to come with the most attractive remuneration. And I think this is where we saw in the last 12, 18 months, there was a bit of a salary battle going on. And then that's been alleviated somewhat. We can go onto that a bit later, but I think that is no longer the main driving force or the main point of attraction for a lot of companies anymore. Um, look after your current employees. That's obviously a big one and it's still a big factor in this market you know try to reduce the attrition that you might yeah. have in your organization so you don't have to you don't have to be in a position to have to hire people is yeah pretty simple but you know it's, it's surprising sometimes how that gets avoided sometimes um working on your evp your benefits you know i think there was and this has been it's continuing now but over the last i would say two years a lot of organizations really looking at because some organizations aren't in a position where they, you know, if they might be smaller organizations, they're not in a position to be able to compete on salary. Yeah. So is it, what are the other things that they can compete on? So is it the EVP? Is it the benefits? Is it making sure that you're really delivering a message that the work is meaningful uh, and people have strong career paths within a, a firm and can see progression, um, perhaps bringing on people who they might not be the most qualified for a position, but giving people a chance uh, that they can prove themselves and grow into a position. Because we do often, consult with our clients and when they're looking for someone often the job description will be the pink unicorn that's going to be perfect for the job hitting the ground running on day one but if you have all of those skills and you can already do a position well what's really going to keep you in a position for a long time it's probably more about getting the person who is going to be stepping up or that new role is going to be a step up and how can you actually develop them to be you know have the competencies to be able to do that position successfully that's how you'll probably get the person on board in the first place and then actually be able to retain them as well. Okay, so you start, you're starting to give a few things there that I think are sort of useful for people to be thinking about if they're not thinking already Absolutely. because, um, you know, we, we've just had uh, the EMA skills shortage survey. Yeah, I saw be, that. Yeah, mm. you're looking at and it talks about sort of 90% of people that are organisations that are looking for people are finding yeah. it difficult to find the right yeah. people. 30% of them have been advertising for more than six months. Yeah. And, and clearly once an advert's been out for six months, um, you know, you start to wonder, well, mate, you're, you're running with a vacancy for quite a long while. Yeah. What you seem to be suggesting there is, well, have you as an employer really thought of all the things that are going to be most appealing? What, what yeah. your 
proposition is to to cap the market absolutely yeah yeah and and going back to the one of the original points is considering well who are you actually trying to attract yeah into the position because again if you're looking for that pink unicorn who can already do the job and maybe he's got five years experience doing that job well what's really going to motivate them why would they move from a comfortable position now doing the same job into <laughs> your company doing the same job like there has to be some some kind of give and take or some kind of appeal factor for doing that mm-hmm. um, and I think what we're seeing now at the moment the passive candidate pool probably 12 months ago 18 months ago because there was some crazy sums of money being thrown around and like anecdotally you know we're talking you'd hear a, a okay. lot like people getting 30 carat grand pay rises to June, change jobs and things like that it was really enticing so hence this great resignation story yes. that we, you, we, we were hearing about all the time in the market people are much more risk averse at the moment because there are economic headwinds everyone knows what the inflation data is looking like they know that we're heading into a technical recession if we're not already there is what people are saying so if you're going to tap someone on the shoulder for a new position there has to be some x factor of what 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 is it for them to move unless of course you know there has been some restructures redundancies with certain industries so there's a bit of there is a bit more talent floating around in the market but it's not it hasn't filled the bucket and and i think your skill shortage survey really told that story where a lot of industries, whether it's hospitality, whether it's fruit pickers, whatever it may be in the regions, we're still chasing our tails to fill the vacancies that have been that have been open for say six or, or more months. So now we're kind of getting at a point where uh, there's probably like a lot of you know I, th- I think we'll get to the point crystal balling. I'm not an economist, but anyway, if it's <laughs> crystal ball, probably get to the point where a lot of those vacancies will edge. Very good, thank you. So that's that's a really interesting experience, obviously coming from overseas and coming from the culture of Japan back yeah. to the culture in New Zealand. There is there was a lot of good stats in that. I think the numbers are starting to play in our favours, where there's a few more people available in the labour market, um, and there's more people coming into the market. So they, those vacancies are, are starting to get filled, even though the vacancy rate is still really high. And um, so our internally, so we have what do we got about over 150 people doing recruitment within Robert Walters in New Zealand. Um, and our average number of jobs per fee owner has gone up comparative to the same time last year. So there's still quite a lot of vacancies out there. Um, and there's funnily enough more vacancies, which does seem a bit counterintuitive to me. But I think that's probably again, going back to the crystal balling, probably going to start to slow down yeah, certainly towards a, maybe Q3 or something like that. I mean, some of the indicators suggest that there's actually job creation at the moment in the yeah. sense of businesses are expanding, so mm-hmm. they're creating new jobs, so they're trying to meet, meet demand, yeah. and they're looking outside. Mm-hmm. Um, the particular sec- areas that I noticed mm-hmm. in, that, in that report are, are in terms of where there were some sh- shortages, mm-hmm. it talked about skilled uh, professionals, and yep. it talked about, and uh, and also on the other hand, it talked about production and manufacturing workers sure. in the front line, mm. and um, so clearly this problem spreads widely in in the workforce. It's a mixed bag. It really yeah. is a mixed bag because you know I'm, I'm having conversations with 
people in the utility sector, insurance, mm. uh, manufacturing, and yeah, it, it, and you know, with and different job skills as well. Like obviously, what what we do as an organisation is predominantly the office jobs. You know, yes. like professional services firms, banking, consulting, and then um, your white collar professionals is what we really do focus on. Even within that, there's some areas that we're seeing a lot more demand, um, and you know, could even be, for example, accounting, finance. There seems to be quite a bit going on in that space at the moment. Uh, contract positions within transformation, for example, so like a program manager, project manager, not so much in that area, again, linking to the fragile state of the economy. Not many businesses are going to start a new expensive program of work or, you know, whatever, like the technology transformation, change management, whatever it may be. There's not many organizations that want to start new work at the moment in that area. However, business as usual type of hiring, and again, chasing your tail or catching up to the shortages that we had last year, there seems to be a lot of more of that going on. Yeah. And you mentioned, mentioned within all this a moment ago um, about an organisation's EVP, their employee sure. value mm-hmm. proposition. What, what sort of things are you seeing organisations doing that are, that are kind of really getting good at like distinctive, unique value propositions? What, what sort of what sort of areas they focus on? How, how do they do that? Good question. Um, well, personal experience, what we've done, we've revamped Robert Walters yes. New Zealand over the last, now it's been rolled out about 12 months, but we revamped our maternity and paternity uh, benefits program. Yep. Uh, and that really resonated with people. Also, we, we tried to make our benefits bespoke and tailored to the individual. Yep. So as opposed to being prescriptive about here are your benefits, this is what we offer everyone um, at different levels of tenure and level of position in the company, you can actually select into the extra Kiwi saver or mortgage contribution or daycare contribution. So you actually choose. So obviously, if you don't have a family, you don't have kids, well, you don't choose a daycare. Uh, if you don't have a house, well, you don't choose a mortgage. So you go all in your Kiwi saver. Or there's also like professional development, personal development, where you can select that. If you don't have Kiwi saver or mortgage or kids, <laughs> well, then I guess you go for that one. So making it a bit more bespoke to the individual and, and tailor made, which, uh, you know, we, we do have quite a young workforce. Uh, average age is probably just around about 30 uh, in Robert Walters, New Zealand. Uh, and I think that strikes a chord, uh, especially with the younger folks in the office, where they like to be able to choose yeah. what what you know the, what benefits they can actually go for. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me because you know it's very um, when you know when I look at adverts on Seek, for example, I see a lot that look very much the same and yeah. not kind of distinctive. Yeah. And um, what I also hear from organisations and sometimes say, well, you know, so and so is doing this, maybe I should do this as well. And the example you've just given me is about actually thinking about your your own workforce is and Absolutely. what they're going to most value. And it, yeah. as you say, perhaps people uh, under 30, it's very different to once yeah. people have perhaps settled down, have family and commitments there, yeah. what, what they're going to want is different. So it sounds like within Robert Walters, you tailored yours very much to understanding your own demographic. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and the way I mean, look, I didn't make it up. There was a, that they <laughs> yeah, did their job, so I'm not taking credit for that. But um, how they went about it, first of all, they scoped out the market. And, yeah. you know, you, you got to understand what good looks like first. So speaking to top tier firms, basically, that, you know, we felt would probably, we knew had had strong benefit programs and, and learning a bit more about that. Uh, and then the internal voice. So then, you know, yeah. understanding internally, well, what do people actually want? Uh, and then crafting it from there. 
Okay, so thinking about your competitors in the market, mm. taking a view out to that, and then thinking internally as well, getting the voice of the, uh, the voice of the people, the voice of the staff. Yeah, that's right, John. Well. And not just you, like your industry, don't be pigeonholed to your yeah. industry about going out to other industries um, because you know certain certain sectors might have better yeah. benefits than recruitment or you know talent <laughs> consultancies like ours. So, yeah. Yeah. so um, I feel a bit mischievous here. Okay, mm-hmm. but you. Um, I, I find it quite interesting that you, uh, you know, you work in, in a recruitment industry. Sure. And one of the things you mentioned just now was about yeah. the importance of organizations mm. retaining their staff. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Tell me why you would recommend that to, to an organization to, to concentrate it, on doing that. Is it a contradiction in terms of we're, we're the ones <laughs> well, who are you know, tapping people on the shoulder? <laughs> um, I, I think and like the business leaders who are listening to this would, would vouch for this as well the amount of time, resources, and energy that goes into onboarding someone. Um, you know, a, I've, I've always looked at it, the general rule of thumb, and, and this goes for if someone's doing a sales consulting role or something back office, whatever it may be. People tend, if they've got the right mindset and they're bought into a business, they get better with time. You know, give them time and invest in them. They will get better at their job and they'll become more productive for you. Um, you might have to deal with, you know, like work with them on that journey of self-improvement and show some flexibility, uh, have a conversation, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, the kind of general rule of thumb is someone's, you know, you've interviewed them. You've thought at the time of having the interview, yeah, this person could do the job. The onus is kind of as the, on the business often to... <laughs> make them suitable for that job or upskill them to be able to be really productive in that job. Um, if you can do that, it's amount of time and effort instead of having to retrain someone from the beginning, it's it's obviously night and day. Yeah, that all, that, that all makes sense. And I mean, that, that seems to very much tie in with your approach of very much thinking about your, your clients as a, as a whole in terms Absolutely. of everything that's there. So, I mean, many things that we've talked about um, obviously important at any time. Yeah. become a bit more important now yeah what 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 do you see as you know if you were to characterize 2023 and how it started mm. yeah you know what's different about 2023 in the recruitment industry in 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 new zealand yeah. to, to previous years uh i look i think it's quite a simple answer is there's uh, uh, people are being a lot more cautious yeah um there's because there look there is uncertainty and look I'm saying a lot more cautious compared to a normal market. Let's not yes. compare it to COVID. That's, you know, unprecedented, all of that. Let, let park that as its own kind of special part of time. But given given where you know, OCR rates are and, and uh, GDP figures are, there is a bit of caution in the market. Um, so I think linking that to, to recruitment, if I was a job hunter, so if I was actively yes. searching for a position, I guess my advice would be, look, you might have to be, you, you're going to have to be a lot more flexible in terms of things like salary, for example, um, than you would have had to be where everyone was fighting over talent, like yeah. a lot stronger, like a lot, a lot more, say 12, 18 months ago versus now there, there are more options for employers uh, in, in the market for, for some sectors. And I know we have to still have the skills shortage, but I think inevitably just where the economy is heading, there are going to be a few and where net migration is heading as well. There, there are a few more options for employers in the market. So coming into an interview saying, oh, look, I want my 30% pay increase, <laughs> it might not be the strategy you want to, to employ. So make sure you're changing jobs for the right reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously if it's a restructure or something like that, that's out of your control. But if, if it's more like you're just interested in seeing what's out there in the market, really make sure that you're changing your position 
for the right reasons because you don't want to be in this category. We all heard about the great resignation, but the other term that's been coined is a great regret, which look, we saw a bit of that anecdotally. Yes. You know, we had people took the money. Uh, great, good. Thank you. So that's, that's a really interesting experience, obviously, coming from overseas and coming from the culture of Japan back yeah. to the culture in New Zealand. We have seen is that some people have been coming back to us saying, oh, look, you know what, like this environment, right. the actual work that I'm doing, maybe I didn't think about that as much as I should have in ah. terms of is it actually meaningful for me? Yes, yes, is yes. Is the position, you know, is it going to, does it demonstrate progression? Am I able to move up the ranks in this company? All that kind of stuff, which should be the important stuff to really, really be thinking about hard when you're changing jobs and not just the money. But there was a survey recently by Elmo that I was quite oh, yeah. in, interested in. Yeah. I you see, That's I was, right. was kind of looking for figures, figures through figures in that, and there seemed to be a thing about people felt that there was a recession coming, and they were kind of concerned about that. Of course, but people seemed to feel that their current organisation was was going to be okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, that would kind of point to maybe people are more likely this year to, to stay in the same job. I, I, have you noticed any sort of trend towards that this year? A kind of greater caution by by candidates? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm referencing to is, and I think um, there has to be a strong reason. Yeah. Um, and and like, again, in that passive candidate pool. Exactly. Um, yeah. So if if you're fairly happy and you know position like your boss, whatever it may be, doing interesting work, uh, yeah, there has to be a compelling reason right. to to investigate a, a new position and again going back to the very beginning what i was talking about if it's a case of well the position will offer the chance to upskill or learn something new progress up an organization well that could be the reason why someone may someone may look at a new position but uh, i think another term i've heard coined around the place is that this could be a shallow recession so uh -huh. a lot of organizations uh you know, they, they're they still continuing on with their BAU. They're not letting, you know, I guess what a lot of the economists are saying, <laughs> spelling out is, okay, things are going to be really tough, a lot of contraction, all that kind of stuff. They're not letting that stop them from getting on with their, well, the, the task at hand of growing a business, growing a successful business. So we might, you know, I'd probably, again, crystal balling it, but we're probably Q3 might be a bit up to Q3 might be a bit quiet. But if the forecasts of like inflation starting to ease and interest rates starting to go down or anything to go by, and this is what I think, especially what the blue chip companies, the larger organizations, they're putting their money on that, that conditions will actually start to get a bit better. And, you know, we're not going to be in a deep recession. Great, good. Thank you. So that's, that's a really interesting experience, obviously, coming from overseas and coming from the culture of Japan back yeah. to the culture in New Zealand. Yeah, and like if you add on, you might have some attrition at the same time as well, then you're really kind of behind a bit and you have to take a lot longer to try to get back into the position that you should have been. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with, with all that, you know, we, we, we read in the papers as well about things that are happening overseas. You mentioned earlier yeah. the kind of great resignation kind of yeah. kind of piece and these sort of trends that sometimes are in, in the States, um, yeah. maybe don't play out quite the sort of same here. Um, obviously, uh, the sort of news around that recently has been about some of these really big tech companies that yeah, were sure. sort of recruiting like crazy recently. And then suddenly they've gone the complete sort of opposite. Yeah. Do any of those trends c come over here? Which which ones do you do you think will be coming? I don't, so simple answer would be I don't think so. Um, right. A lot of those tech companies, and, and perhaps Zero was was victim of this. They yes. they overcompensated. You know, they saw a booming market and and they went all in. Um, and you know, I think Apple, Google. When you look actually at the data, there was some interesting data or graphs that I saw where you look at 
pre-COVID employee numbers versus like when COVID started to, you know, lockdowns yeah. and everything eased off and just the, the amount that they hired. So like they, they were the highest number of employees than they've, that they've ever been. And this is this is Alphabet. This is Google. This is Apple. They all just went in. They, they basically just went all in to try to build these really huge tech teams like you know whether it be software engineering or whatever product they're working on so they they overcompensated they overdid it a bit and so what we're seeing with these the the restructures and and on a really large and obviously very highly public highly public level scale is that they just they just have to readjust or go back to probably where they should have been right if they didn't if they didn't kind of overcook it um and again look i don't know if that was the case of zero or not i mean i'm not gonna (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to just say anything that's going to get me in trouble. But um, I, so I don't think there's many companies in New Zealand who really did that. Right. Who, who right. just went all in. Um, the other one is, you know, that you hear, and this was mentioned in the, the EMA webinar recently, is that our, our banking system is robust. So, you know, the, actually when you look at, obviously, well, they're still making quite a lot of money. There's a lot of profits in there. Um, and just where they are. Their, I guess their risk levels uh, are very strong. They're very robust. So, you know, you, you would, It'd be absolutely stunning if a Silicon Valley bank or suddenly that kind of situation and the contingent that kind of came with that came into play. You'd be very surprised if that happened. And I think probably to add one last thing would be things like the the war in Ukraine and like, you know, the grain prices and the energy crisis in the UK. We do seem fairly insulated from from that. So whether that does trickle into New Zealand or not, I guess it's anyone's, anyone's guess. But... It's just because it is just geographically, but out of sight, out of mind, and we, we do seem a bit insulated um, from that. But again, I'm not an economist. So yeah, other people better <laughs> qualified to answer that than me. I know that's a lot about you know the environment and the mm. bigger world and how how that might affect things. Um, zooming back in to think about as as an employer here here, yeah. here in here in New Zealand, you know, you've talked about that, uh, you know, being attractive as an employer and being sure. u- unique about about what you can do. What, what else can employers do to kind of make sure? And I believe it's probably the same sort of things. Mm. But what can they do to both retain and attract people? So you yeah. want you clearly you want to be able to do both. So we're doing yeah. all the good stuff that grants advice yeah, do yeah, to retain yeah, people, yeah. but but we still want to attract people in. What what sort of other mm. things should organisations be thinking of and doing, mm. and to make sure they stand out? Okay, um, I, I think making sure you've got in terms of. Uh, Attracting people, yeah, part of it is obviously what what you have to offer. Um, but I think the other part of it is making sure you don't leave any stone unturned. Like how, you know, are, are you doing recruitment seminars? Are you using recruitment companies like us? <laughs> are you, you're on the job boards, you're on Seek, but there are other job boards out there that aren't as well known, but they also tie into, for example, like expanding or, or deepening your diversity pool at work as well. So there's Maori Pacifica Jobs, for example, mahi.co.nz. So there's some really good tools out there that... A lot of organisations probably don't actually really tap into uh, that they can use to one, you know, deepen the diversity within their candidate pool uh, and cover the market uh, outreach to to a greater pool of the market. Yeah, and when you talk about diversity, what what does that mean in this this context? Yeah. Um, well, diversity means a lot of different things to a lot of different yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one, I guess, flag that I, I fly yeah. is, is neurodiversity. Uh, yes. My nine-year-old son, he's autistic, and, and uh, I do advocate a lot for Autism New Zealand in their employment program. So it's, it's potentially giving, for me, when it comes to a, in a recruitment context, 
being able to provide a, a platform for people who might be disadvantaged in a normal standard typical recruitment process uh, giving them a platform to be able to properly exhibit their yes. skills and we're not talking like charity or anything like that like the person has to be the right person for the job but there is a lot to be said about recruitment the, your standard recruitment process that hasn't really changed it certainly hasn't changed in the 16 years i've been doing recruitment and i think 20 30 years ago it was pretty much the same it hasn't really changed and you know it's like a the interview where questions can be a bit ambiguous or you know it's a bit daunting a panel interview that kind of thing perhaps i organize what else organizations can do is really kind of rethink about how they go about their recruitment activities is a work experience a bit of a better way to show you know to be able to really understand if someone's going to be good for the job or not like that people you know say for example if someone's dyslexic or something they might trouble have trouble writing a resume so if you can provide other avenues for people to be able to fully exhibit what value they're actually going to bring to your organization, surely that's only going to be a good thing and mutually beneficial for both the organization, the employer who gets someone that they might not have actually been able to attract previously and the individual who can be disadvantaged during a recruitment process. So, yeah, it sounds like you're talking about a way in which getting getting to almost a hidden talent pool or a talent Absolutely. pool that people yeah. might have thought about yeah. and actually recognising that the way in which you recruit people yeah. doesn't necessarily allow people to put their best foot forward and just thinking about ways that you could do that. Yeah, bang on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And mm. So I think that's terrific from a business point of view, but I think yeah. that's obviously got wider social societal advantages as well. So that's yeah. that's a really interesting one for a people to think oh, it actually about. does and, and there's a lot of work happening um in in the market and there's some great advocates yes for and again going back to neurodiverse hiring and uh, and also maori pacifica for example like companies like, well, like new zealand asb bank you know they they fly the flag yeah mm. so i don't want to loop back to something that you mentioned at the beginning okay. and because you talk about your experience in japan and being sure. very very different from here I mean, I presume you're still keeping touch with what's happening in Japan and uh, yep. you would have a kind of view view on that. What, what sort of things are happening there that perhaps aren't happening here? What's what's different in 2023 in Japan um, in recruitment? They had long COVID um, yes. as a nation. So they, they're not necessarily in the form of lockdowns, but um, the, the government took a fairly conservative stance in terms of... Um, you know, bars being restricted, bars, restaurants being restricted in the, the hours that they run. And, you know, mask wearing is still like people, Japanese people tend to wear masks anyway, like if they've got a flu or like you see a lot of people on the trains and buses wearing masks, but uh, not necessarily mandated, <laughs> but uh, it's just par for the course. Um, and I think they just took a wee bit more time to to realise the new norm. Uh, and get into the, I guess, the groove of the new norm of living with, living with a virus. I guess I would say, um, Japan's an interesting economy. You know, it, it, it's been essentially a stagnant economy um, with literally no GDP growth for years and years after the bubble burst in the eighties. It's it's been extremely stagnant, um, and inflation is. Inflation essentially doesn't really exist in Japan, but there's been a bit more. Like it's, it's slowly but surely uh, kind of starting to creep up, but certainly not the levels that we experience in New Zealand. I mean, you know, taking that experience from Japan, either what you know now or, or yeah. from the years that you spent there, are there things where you think these would be good things for for New Zealand businesses to do? You know, in mm. particularly in terms of recruitment and retention of staff. 
You know, do you notice things that were done there that you think these would be good to bring here or, good you know, question, really probably yeah. it's more they need to learn from, from New Zealand? <laughs> a really trivial example, but I'll, I'll throw it out there. That's the only one that comes to my mind yeah, yeah, at the moment when you say, but uh, a blanket employment benefit in right, Japan right. is to pay for public transport to and from work. And, right. and no one... Um, hardly anyone really drives because the public transport network is, you know, grateful for that, obviously, for the wish we had that here as well. But um, the trains are really efficient. But everyone, a company would pay for your monthly train pass. Right. Um, and if you're looking at benefits or things that might attract an employer, yeah, that's a big one. Like, you know, if, no matter where you live, if you have some kind of stipend or, well, or an allowance for transport, which if you look at transport at the moment and, you know, it's, I think, what, AT is going to increase their prices from next month, is it? Uh, it, it? It adds up. It adds up. And the cost of living crisis we're going through at the moment, that can be some of the things that could make a difference. If it's a 50-50, if you've got one organization that doesn't offer it, one organization that does, and if they're on an even standing and a candidate is just considering, oh, where do I go? You never know. That could be the difference. Well, that's, I think that's a really interesting benefit to think about because it is it is a it is definitely an issue in in New Zealand around yeah. uh, you know sort of the cost of get of getting to work. You know, certainly we know you know with petrol price. We also know that um, you know during COVID, people started working from home, particularly in sort of office jobs where yep. where, where you specialise, and people then often wanted to continue doing that afterwards. And yeah. You know, there was a kind of harder economic reality around that, around, yeah. well, it actually saves me the cost yeah. of getting to work, both the the, the coin involved, but yeah. also in terms of the time time involved. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I was, yeah, and, and it reminds me of a, a conversation I had this morning with a CFO of an insurance company, and he mentioned that their firm has a benefit where they, they pay an allowance for people working at home because obviously broadband power mm. and everything like that, which... You wish you wouldn't imagine that, say, a few years ago, that yeah. happening. Like my company, we pay for some broadband uh, and a like, limited amount of that. But we're certainly not. We're, we're trying to encourage people coming back from, you know, coming back to the office. But it's interesting, different kind of mindsets around that. Um, and if you're saving, if your business is trying to save costs in terms of your lease and your, your capacity rates, uh, you know, fairly low or whatever it may be, then that could be a good option. Or, or for example, you might have overcapacity. And you you need to encourage people to work at home because you don't have enough desk because you've reduced your office size. It can be a good way to go about it. Ah, very good. Yes. Well, I mean, it, they're, they're interesting areas because it loops back to some of the things you talked about earlier as well. Um, I saw Mercer's report recently. And Mercer okay. say things like, well, um, something like one in, I think it's one in four people will forego a raise yeah. Um uh, for the flexibility at work, sure. and a yeah. similar number came was came out. These were one in four or one in five, and it was one way round or the other. But it was um, that one in one in five. If you offer a well-being benefit at work, sure. that they will forego a raise for that. So people, you know, all these things have yep. value yeah. uh, beyond thinking about back to the remuneration, which was your point yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. I think is that. In, as an employer, there could be a temptation to start uh, yeah. hearing that, oh, my goodness, people are having to be offered this much more, that much more to move. Whereas, yeah. in fact, there's there's a range of benefits that you can offer, a range of other things that people value because they, they do give financial benefit at the end. And, and my advice to an organisation, and this is what we've done, is make sure you articulate that 
to yeah. your staff like how much all those benefits are worth because sometimes these benefits almost kind of get swept under the carpet a wee bit or you know the, the organization just kind of provides it but doesn't make too much of a noise about it when it adds up to thousands and thousands of dollars and so with, you know for example with our going back to our benefits uh, program we made a point of on our benefits document our collateral we have a monetary figure and like this is what this is like up to and above X amount of dollars for, for each individual at each level. And then when you look at that at that way, it's pretty compelling. Like if you add that to your salary, then you're like, oh, okay, well maybe taking that $5,000 pay rise to leave companies and the risk involved in moving companies is probably not worth it because actually all my benefits, if I add that to my salary, yeah, it can be tens, $10,000, $15,000, whatever it may be. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And there's various things that come about in, in relation to that. I was talking about somebody recently that had been offered a new job. They were talking about not taking it yeah. despite the salary increase they were being offered because at their current job, their current employer paid for their uh, health insurance yeah. and yeah. it wasn't being paid in the new place. So actually the whole cost, uh, the whole value of when the new salary the was eaten up by, by now having to pay for their own health insurance. And I think going back to people being quite risk averse in this yes. market, that's what people are doing. They're doing the math. They're, yeah. they're weighing it up. Then they're weighing up all things, the position, but then also, you know, benefits like base salary bonuses, yes. but the, yeah. the total so kind of holistically. Yeah, so people are risk averse. That that puts employees in a good position to retain people, doesn't it? In, I agree. In, in the sense, you know, yeah. they just make sure you're maximising your messages around around retention. I yeah. Agree. yeah. So um, for you, sometimes it's that okay. How do I get through that to make it make the new job yeah. attractive? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, they're running a running a business. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's conflicting sometimes. You know, like is, yeah. trying to retain our people. Like, if we have resignations, for example, which does happen, we have yeah. attrition like any business. We're not immune to it. Um, yeah, it can, it can be conflicting. Definitely. So, you know, we've called about quite quite a range of themes, and we've sort of probed into some some of them for sure. you. Um, you know, it, it just give me a kind of what's it going to be like in a year's time. What do you think it's going to be like? Do I have to stake my job uh, against <laughs> this one, this claim? Um, <laughs> look, I've, I've referenced it earlier. Look, I do think because of this shallow recession, yeah. um, I, I think in a year's time we'll start to see, well, it depends how you look at it. I look at it when there's a skills shortage, like a yes. recruitment company, so that's actually good for business. But if you look at a skills shortage being a bad thing for businesses, which I completely appreciate, uh, I think, skills shortage will be alleviated somewhat towards Q3, Q4, I believe, just you know, in terms of what's happening in the economy and everything like that. And again, a lot of organizations being able to find the people they need, uh, more people coming into the country, all of that kind of stuff. I think immigration New Zealand now making it a wee bit more kind of point of reference, whatever that may be, but making it a little bit easier uh, to bring people into, into the country. Um, but then the, probably we'll start to come back how do I phrase this? I think there will be more vacancies than there are people again. Yes. Probably Q1, Q2 in 2024 when the economy starts to get kick-started. Well, when the economy kicks start again would be if I was going to crystal ball it. But again, I'm not an economist, but, you know, I'm not staying, staking my job on this one. <laughs> Very good. No, I feel that you've got your, your finger on the pulse of what's happening at the moment and mm. what, what you're looking at trends to the future and, and what those might Absolutely. be. 
and I think that's the sort of thing that um, I think that's the sort of thing that our members find very very useful. Yeah. In fact, any any business I think should find that useful to have have those thoughts there. Yeah. Um, well, we haven't mentioned as well it's an election year. Yes, but that throws another. So, you know, regardless of how the economy is yeah. doing, that there's always a bit of uncertainty around an election year and, and businesses throwing caution into the wind and, and seeing how things go. Right. So that that in itself, I, I think, will will probably slow down uh, a bit of hiring. I think. Right. So there should be a few more candidates available. Right. Mm. Very good. Okay. So there's, there sounds like you've got some optimism there into, for, from an employer's Mixed. point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It, I'm trying to pick this. this because it's, it's hard to good. put your finger on it. <laughs> really hard to put your finger on it. So it's, Because I think it is a bit of a mixed bag. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe, you know, if I had the answer, as, as they say, I'd be a rich man, you know. <laughs> but the key messages I'm taking for you seem to be around, you know, whatever you're trying to do as an employer, really think about, you know, what is it about your own business that, yeah. and because you can leverage those things that are really good about your, your business as an employer to retain people, yeah. but also to be attractive for people to come in and just understanding, well, the, the, the example you gave was very much around the demographic that you might bring in, but also um, thinking more imaginatively and more widely about your talent pool and how best to access it. Yeah, I agree, John. Um, and it just kind of thought comes to mind some advice I received years ago if in doubt just focus on yourself focus you know stay in your lane focus on your own business and making your own business yes. a better place to work um, there is there are people out there I know we've still got a skill shortage and, and your EMA data really kind of told that story of you know the survey that was just released but that's not to say there's no candidates out there or there's no people out there looking for jobs. And even with the unemployment rates being at historically low levels, there is a candidate pool. So it's just a matter of really kind of thinking about yourself and how you can attract them and then doing everything you can, covering the market, covering your bases. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's talent there. You've just got to work out how to find it and attract it to you. This is it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Well, I've really enjoy, enjoyed this uh, conversation. Yeah, I mean, you. you've come up with lots of things that I certainly hadn't thought of before. And um, uh, I think you've got lots of really interesting insights. So I always always value our conversations. And really I think fun. thank yeah. you for bringing it into this uh, this podcast. Um, you know, it's our intention with these these podcasts to, you know, talk to, to other people uh, like Grant, who have a breadth of experience or uh, a depth of knowledge in a particular area in order to help navigate you know, the trends that are happening in the moment in the employment market and to get some insights and new ways of approaching things. So um, I think what I do is thank Grant again for coming in for his time Thanks, today. Thanks, Pleasure. Yeah. Really appreciate it. And obviously, thank everyone uh, who's who's watching this. And um, we will uh, have further episodes in this series where we will explore further things to do with the new trends and new insights. So thank you.